Welcome back to a very special edition of Cargumentative, where four guys who think they can drive are joined by a man who most certainly can. Six times national South African motorsport champion and F1 Grand Prix driver, Mr. Ian Schechter. Hi. Good to have you in the studio. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Fantastic to have you here and thanks for coming out so late. Ian, where do we begin? I mean, you're a South African motorsport icon and I think it's probably best to just summarize briefly how you got into motorsport and how you got into Formula One. Okay. Um, a long time ago. Eh? Um, I was at Rhodes. Well, all my life we raced basically bicycles, mm. then buzz bikes. You, you were at Rhodes? Yeah, I went Ro- to Rhodes for a year. You must have drunk a lot. Eh? Did, in fact, I stayed <laughs> at the Vic. Oh, really? <laughs> so I was a pro at, uh, <laughs> at snooker and drinking. Oh, really? <laughs> eh? Excellent. And then a friend of mine had a 100 Yamaha twin, and we were both in East London. He was also from Rhodes. Mm. And he came round to the house and said, where's Jody? Why? No, he wants Jody to race his bike. And I said, well, he's not here, but let me go around the block. And I came, he came back, and I said, hell, I'll race it for you. And uh, that's basically how I started. He lent me the bike. So on bikes, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and I did four years of bikes before I saw the light. Okay. <laughs> what, what made you see the light? Was it broken and, bones? Yeah, was, was it an accident? Well, I had a lot of that, um, obviously. But Jody did uh, the, the driver to Europe uh, in the Formula Ford, and I followed that series. We okay. might have had one or two bike races at the same time. And uh, the Formula Ford just looked bloody interesting and fun to drive and uh, I bought Peter Hull's car who had actually won the series mm-hmm. uh, New Zealander he left the car trailer and everything and uh, for those days it was a huge three and a half thousand rand for the outfit what, what year was that 1971 and and the car that you were racing because I actually was reading one of the classic car magazines um, recently yeah. and it showed a 1967 Formula Ford and it's a gorgeous thing, eh? Cigar-shaped. They, they were very good-looking Beautiful, cars. beautiful-looking thing. Yeah. So what, there was a and, and, very, and they're very valuable now. Very much so. 1,600. I think all Formula Ford is 1,600. I think Steve yeah. still today. They were... No, they've changed motors. They went uh, through a cycle. They went those Kent, from Kent to uh, those other later model cars. But we should have never changed because Australia, New Zealand, countries like that never left Kent. And they're much stronger than we are today. Right. Much, much stronger, yeah. No mistake. And then um, from Formula Ford to Formula One. Yeah. <laughs> didn't I mean, take long. Didn't yeah. Well, yeah. then I, I, I won my my first race. I came third at Kailami. And then I won my second race. I had pole lap record and won. And then I did that four in a row. So it looked like, sure, you know, mm. I was quicker than Jody. In fact, I broke all their lap records. And it was straight after. And... Uh, and then uh, we had the full driver to Europe at the end of the year, um, and Tony Bryce came out, and he was the main competition, and I won that, okay, and then I went to England. Um, I came back in July to see my girlfriend, <laughs> and uh, um, Gunston got hold of me at the airport on the way back and said, look, we want you to race for us, and they're going to pay a salary, and bonus wow. monies and expenses etc etc and we were going to go Formula 2 but I had one week to make up my mind to accept it or reject so I flew back to England mm-hmm. 
And it wasn't that hard a decision because I was living like a bum in England. It was <laughs> bloody hard racing there. Not that that worried me, but it rained and you worked in the mud and there were no pits for the guys like Formula Ford and that and cold and sure. who, whatever. Who, who were you racing against in those days? I mean, were there any notables at um, Formula Ford at that point? The biggest one was, was Tony Bryce who came here because he got into F1 and raced for Graham Hill and then died with Graham Hill in that aeroplane crash when they all died. And he was looking like a star in Formula Ford. But in England, um, there was nobody at that time that really cracked it. And that's why I thought I came back and I got a lot of opportunities in Formula One in compared to what happens now. And uh, I don't think if I had have stayed there, it would have been the same. You know, Jody had set the path. There's only one sector, one African, you know, it's not like they piled him up. So um, it was the right thing because I got there. And then we went Formula One the next year here. And, so that's uh, with Gunston? Yeah, Gunston in the Lotus 72. And was that the South African Formula One? Yeah, that, those days that was the championship. Yeah, yeah. I actually wanted a, a McLaren. <laughs> Not that I had much choice, but the Lotus 72 was a beautiful car. One of the best to drive, actually. That was what Jochen Rindt drove. Yeah, but he died. He in died. Shame. Yeah, he took he took the wings off. Yeah. At, at it was at Monza. Monza yeah. He took the wings off and um, in in a quest to go fast. Yeah. Um, and it, the, the car just was undrivable without so, it. And so, Mike, educate me. Lotus seventy two. What is that? A V eight. So I mean, yeah. think they, the they ran that Cosworth V8 motor. You know the Formula One engine? Yes, yeah. Which was around for a long time. A very long time. Very yeah. successful. The DFV. DFV, yeah. What a motor, yeah. Yeah, and I was very lucky. Uh, 2015, I mean, 2015 was exactly 40 years from when I raced the Tyrrell, and the, uh, Rupert's got the Tyrrell in his museum. Yeah, and I've they, seen it. Brought it to uh, Cape Swatkops and then it ran it in Cape Town the week later, and I managed to drive it and uh, it was such fun 40 years later it really wow. was <laughs> but, but I mean just getting on to the back to the car I yeah. mean that was the start of, of, of the wings I mean you'd yeah. just gone up in, in that DFE yeah. when it came out I mean it was massive power Yeah. Um, those cars had absolutely no safety and then all of a sudden you had wings that were being bolted on so yeah. all of a sudden you can just go so much faster than before I mean it was a crazy era I yeah, mean, lucky that you survived it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of guys. Well, my first Grand Prix, or my first Formula One race, because they banned petro, uh, racing with the petrol problem in 73. So when I sat in that uh, Lotus 72 on the grid at Kyle Army, before I'd even done one lap of practice, they stopped practice because Peter Revson got killed. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, you know, you can imagine a youngster sitting in a Formula One car because in those days, it's not like we all know Formula One like it's your... You know, you guys know Lewis Hamilton like your best friend because it's on TV and interview. Yeah. In those days, there was no TV. So we didn't know anything other than what popped out once a year here. So when the guy died before he'd done a lap, I thought, what am I doing here? You know, <laughs> I could be dead in 15 minutes' time. It was that kind of feeling. Sure. But I guess, I mean, yeah. as soon as you get into the car yeah. and you strap yourself in, then you then don't have that fear anymore. <laughs> See the red mist evaporates. Well, that first weekend, it was a bit, uh, you know, I was a bit aware because I was learning the whole weekend mm. and getting used to the power of an F1 car compared to F2. And, uh, but then soon after that, as you say, it was all behind and gone. But, yeah, to survive that era, nobody would race for 20 years like they are now mm. and survive. You would not last yeah. 20 years. You know, mm. the cars are excellent now from a safety point of view, so yeah. it helps a lot. But 20 years in our era was... was Go, Going down that old main straight, downhill, 
which is where that where Peter Efson died. But yeah. you, you must have guys were going 300 k's an hour close, or at least close on it. We were close to that, but you know we were normally aspirated. But yeah. the cars were quite light. You know they were 500 kilo cars, or close to 500 horsepower. Now they're 780 with about 900 horsepower. So power-to-weight ratio wasn't Yeah, it was great. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, were they quite forgiving cars to drive? I mean, you kind of have this idea in your mind that these were like snarling, loud, unforgiving cars to drive. The, the Lotus 72 was fantastic to drive. You remember Ronnie Peterson used to drive it sideways, and yeah. the car actually performed better going sideways and the aero packages we had in those days was actually just those small front wings and the back wing which looked quite big but we had no following problem you know like now they have that big aero problem they're trying to cure because you can't get close to another car once you're within a second you sort of lose your front end we never had that problem because i mean i had to chase charlton in the beginning so we had Barbecue Yuxke Sunset, if you know the old circuit, yes. which were very, very fast corners. Now, today, those cars would be losing one second, two seconds, mm-hmm. whereas there, those days we were making up if you were better than the other guy. That's where you made up time. Interesting. And uh, yeah, Sun- Yuxke used to be one of those corners that you want to keep your foot flat, barbecue in Yuxke. So you'd like hold your leg, hoping it wouldn't lift. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but were those cars, I mean, the, the style of driving. Driving yeah. sideways, you, it's, I mean, it's one of the, the, the great aspects of watching those old races. Yeah. Was that down to that was the style of driving in those yeah. days, or was that actually yeah. the right way to be driving the cars? Would the, would the modern drivers yeah. be driving those cars the same way? Yeah, yeah, because in those days, we didn't have the aero package. Now they've got it. That, so the minute they go sideways now, they've lost half their downforce. And that's why you see practice, and uh, you know, especially practice, even Vettel and Hamilton are spinning off because they're such a knife edge, you know. Our cars were more forgiving because, like Clubhouse, for example, which is still around, mm. and we had lovely... Uh, curbs then like now there's no skill at all because the curbs that wide you know nowadays it was just that if you touched it you buggered the corner up um and that corner you actually power slid. it was wonderful to drive like that because you were driving on the throttle yeah. just get the, you know, the steering in the right place and power slide it to the Brilliant. exit you know, so which was spectacular a, a yeah. lot more sensation yeah guys we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to grill mr ian Schechter some more on his f1 driving days awesome okay <laughs> For the latest political news and in-depth discussion and analysis on events making headlines in South Africa's socio-political speech. Join myself, Amil Amral, and my comrades from the Sunday Times Politics Desk for our Sunday Times Politics Weekly podcast. You can find new weekly episodes on the Times Live website every Wednesday. This is not a shame. Can you please come in? Welcome back to Cargumentative, a special edition. We're talking to Ian Schechter. Ian, let's fast forward to the mid-70s. Yeah. You're overseas in the international Formula One arena. It's like probably the golden age of F1. Yeah. What was that like, hanging out with all those personalities yeah. and, you know? 
in our day, I think we were um, maybe a bit more friendly than today. Mm-hmm. I think today they get very isolated in their motor homes and uh, their, the whole scene. Um, ours was much more laid back, I would say. But I, I think the racing um, was better then because we didn't have the restrictions they've got today. You know, today you almost should get rid of the drivers and put robots in mm. because the drivers are penalized today for making a, a racing error. I believe you should only be penalized if you deliberately do something stupid. Um, whereas today, if you just pass a guy and you touch, they want to give you a drive-through. A mechanic leaves a wheel loose. The driver gets a, a 10 grid slot penalty. We didn't have all that. You know that lovely saying, when the flag drops, the bullshit stops? Yeah. Well, that's how it was in the 70s, yeah. whereas now it's the other way around. When the flag drops, the bullshit starts now. Mm. So, I mean, all last year, that one race where the guys were kicked out for fuel. That's right. I yeah. mean, uh, the one guy had a spike on the first lap of monitoring the fuel flow. Well, why are they bothered to do that? Say you guys have got 100 kilos of fuel or 200, whatever the figure is, and use it how you like. Why worry about how fast it's flowing? Mm. Now all you're doing is you're giving yourself a hell of a lot of work. You know, you're allowing them to try and work out how to cheat the system. Mm. Why do that? It's, it's like semantics almost. Well, it's well, like, you know, ridiculous. It's, it's kind I of mean, that's an interesting it. thing. So yeah. that, the cheating in the system, I mean, there, there are great fables about cheating in the, in, in the days there. Yeah. Guys walking up to the cars when they're sitting in Parc Ferme to throw ball bearings down the exhausts yeah. to try and get to the minimum yeah. weight, fitting uh, water tanks that... Uh, that that yeah. that because you're allowed to top up the fluids, so they ejected Tyrrell, all the fluids and then you topped up with extra. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Tyrrell was actually caught and banned for doing that. Yeah. He put lead in the water and poured it. Into the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the but yeah, um, I, I think I preferred the freedom more of our era. You know, the the jump starts weren't really part of the equation. If you watch those yeah, old yeah. 70s things, I mean, you, the guys were half rolling, you know, at the start. Yeah. It just uh, was, I think, more of a, a, a better era to race because we weren't restricted as drivers. I mean, today, you look, I mean, they have a painter, they give you a big patch of tar and paint a white line until you're 300 k's an hour, don't cross the white line, you know. Mm. Um, let them get in the car and see if they can manage that, you know. <laughs> Especially yeah. the cars are so twitchy today. They grip like hell compared to what we had. But if you get slightly out of control, you're lucky to save it. it yeah. mm. um, I'm, I'm interested in yeah. in the, the off-track stuff. So yeah. just a question. So were you more Nicky Lauda or more James Hunt? <laughs> well, James, James Hunt and I were teammates That's at Hesketh, right. yeah. yeah. Um, wow. I was more like James Hunt than, <laughs> yes. than Nicky. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. So you were teammates with him, wow. Yeah. 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 Uh, Nicky um, was always like he is, you know, now. He was always, uh, uh, how can I say, do you see the movie Rush? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Many yeah. Many, many times. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, they really picked those two guys absolutely perfectly because that's exactly how they were. And uh, James was a real playboy. I mean, he was probably the only world champion that really lived like a world champion. champion. You know, he partied all the time. Apparently, after the 76 win, he and Barry Sheen were holed up in a hotel room for a, for a very long weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't just the two of them. <laughs> yeah, Barry Sheen was also a, a wild animal. A good guy, but also wild. Yeah. And you teammate, well... You were teammates with James Hunt in 74? 74. It was 74 in the Hesketh. Okay. Yeah, but unfortunately for us, you know, there were no simulators. Mm. Um, you arrive at the track 
for Thursday practice and uh, my car it was a Cosworth disintegrated the engine on the first lap of practice on the first day oh, that's and and that was first of all that was a freak but what really that did was it put all the rubbish through the radiators through everything so the whole day was wiped out mm. and then it becomes very difficult to learn a track and a car in and we had 35 practice guys of which 10 didn't even get to start qualifying so you know you really had to be like today there are only 20 cars mm. and all 20 basically have to qualify so we started with like 35 36 starters sure. of which 25 i think made it to qualifying mm. to do the actual grid wow i didn't know so, that so okay. fortunately for me i made it every time in europe alex ribeiro who was my teammate he only made, I think, two in Europe, you know. Oh, really? Well, it was quite tough at the back end mm. there, you know, yeah. <laughs> with the march. There were a lot of marches around, and you could see today, I mean, the back end cars have got no chance. Nothing at all. Can and it was the yeah. same then, you know. And, I mean, um, in your era as well, it was the time of the privateer where somebody who had some money yeah. could actually pick up a car from, from yeah. a season ago or two seasons ago and actually yeah. go and compete if he had the means yeah. um, well, and, and you know, so have his own team. Yeah, there were guys like that, but you mm. must remember that's how Frank started, Frank Williams. Mm. I mean, he was uh, bumming parts all yeah. over the place and hopping up because I drove for him two you Grand Prix yeah. in 75 and he invited me back and I didn't go back, which was probably the wrong thing to do, mm. but it was very difficult here in South Africa. I had one of the best cars. Ken Howes was my um, chief mechanic, as I say, and anybody who knows Ken Howes, he's uh, now a NASCAR running Hendrick Motorsports, which is the biggest NASCAR team, and won 11 championships out there. So I had a real ace here and a real good car here, and then I had to go to Poor Frank over there. <laughs> <laughs> so it was quite, uh, yeah. It was. And did you have a favorite track? Um, I, I really did enjoy uh, the old Carl Army. Uh, okay. It was a great racetrack for that era. Um, and in this country, the other one was Velcom. You know, Velcom was when Goldfields Raceway, not today's one, Makisa. Mm, uh, yeah, it's just such a pity that money in this country has become the the god um and that's what happened i think in the free state because they could have spent some money and upgraded that circuit if they wanted to do something and i don't know if you ever raced at goldfields no I with didn't. that long straight no. it had fast sweeps it had hairpins it had chicanes and it had everything it was one of the best interesting mm. and did you ever drive at the nurburgring back no, in the day fortunately, fortunately not <laughs> i mean that that just looked absolutely terrifying I mean, to drive yeah. an old school Formula One car around there yeah. in the rain must have required well, you know fortunately I didn't have to do that yeah. and the reason of that was because Lauda had his big crash with a fire at Nürburgring in 76 mm. so 77 when I did the full season we went to Hockenheim oh, yeah. and then Hockenheim still was very different Hockenheim, to today Hockenheim yeah. was that big circuit around the back yeah um, you, and were the chicanes still no, at that point no you had the chicanes at the beginning but the top end corner was a top gear one of those corners, should you or shouldn't you, sure. you know. And, and eventually, if you remember, De Palia was killed in mm. testing and one or two others, so they put a chicane at the top end. But now they've chopped that all out. The, wow. It was, yeah, it's all gone. I yeah. went back there a couple of years yeah. ago, and it's just trees and forest and grass. Yeah. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. No, it's sad. That, those were good, you know. I mean, you had long straights, you know, like for miles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. And um, just in terms of driver fitness, I mean, today yeah. you always see guys out, you know, uh, you know, 
in the gym and jogging and cycling yeah. um, in your day I mean was driver fitness a big thing or did you just sort of smoke uh, cigarettes and drink whiskey yeah exactly well, uh, you know that's exactly what James did yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no I tell you what our cars were probably tougher to drive. Mm. Um, we were manual everything. There was no, today they, as you know, they got power steering, mm. paddle shift, um, um, electric brakes. So um, there's not much from a physical side today other than the G-forces, you know, they're much higher than we had. So your neck would probably take more strain. But what happened was I think Michael Schumacher started a regime of where you need to do what he, he used to do and everybody's followed that. In those days, Jody was a gym fanatic. Mm. I was a, I did different uh, sports for fitness. I trained with the rugby team because they were my friends. I trained with the Springbok Surf Lifesavers because they were my friends. So we were doing paddling into the ocean and back and then road running because I, I found gym boring. Yeah. So I was fit because it, with my mind, I always thought, well, if I'm fitter than the next guy, but then I learned a big lesson when I went to race with Sorrel in America. We raced that Porsche, uh, Porsche sports car March, oh, yes. which had no air conditioning, no ventilation, manual, everything. And boy, I couldn't handle that. I was dead in 20 minutes. What, what was that, a 962? It was, uh, no, it was like a 962. We ran the March chassis. The okay. 962 and 956 were better chassis, but we had the same engine. Okay. It had a hell of a lot of lag. You had to brake and accelerate before the corner and <laughs> hope that the 650 horsepower didn't bang in halfway through. Those were full ground effects cars, eh? Huh? Yeah, they were. So they must uh, have also been very physical in the corners. Th they were extremely physical. I mean, when we did the Daytona 24-hour, I mean, when it came to 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning and they would come and it's your turn, you know, you think, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, by then your hands are full of blisters and your feet are burning and sore. So I was quite fortunate in a way. Uh, Sorrel had just done a double stint, and he got out the car bug, and I got in, and the car felt funny, and they said, come in. I checked the car. They said, no, it's fine. I went out, and the tire burst on the banking at Daytona, and I hit the wall, and I managed to crawl back to the pits, and they didn't see under the helmet, but when they said the car's finished, oh, yeah, I was so happy. <laughs> I was built for sprint racing, not endurance racing. So, so out of all the different formulas, so you've done endurance racing, yeah. uh, did you ever drive Le Mans? No, I was supposed to in that same car, but I got a middle ear infection two weeks before. And you know, that happens, you lose your balance. balance yeah. So I couldn't do it. I don't know. I think Christian Danner, took my place at that uh, Le Mans. Sure. But I wasn't too sad because I never really liked endurance racing. You did it because it was something to do. Mm. You know, somebody paid you to drive a car fast, so it was, you know. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, I mean, going back to, to Formula One and the 70s, you were, I mean, your career basically overlapped a whole bunch of uh, technical advancements in the sport, which maybe were bad for the sport in hindsight I mean things like mm. ground effects um, turbocharging yeah. those all arrived on you know yeah we, we did in 77 the mm. first turbo car arrived the Renault in 78 was the first well 77 Lotus already had big wings mm. and I'm not convinced that, that those era packages were wrong because IndyCar still runs quite a big undercar air package mm. and that has less aero effect than the wings yeah, the top wings yeah. so if you really want to get closer racing, you, I think you might need to improve uh, undercar uh, airflow and have less on top. 
and which IndyCar have done, but Formula One never want to do what IndyCar yeah, has done. Because the big wing at the top causes turbulence. Obviously. Yeah, and different. And, and you can't slipstream now. Yeah, thing. whereas all air under the car is is goodish air. You know. So that that happened. Um, up until then, it was just all plain and manual. And uh, as you say, some of the things um, I remember Senna's one interview. It was at, he was there right at the beginning of the proper electronics because when he went to Williams, they were way ahead with electric suspension and whatever it was called in those days. And he said, "I'm not really sure this is good for the, the for the Formula One," you know. Mm. And that was then. Now today, I think if he was alive, he'd be extremely shocked what's mm. going on. You know? Yeah, I yeah. think a lot of people would. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just so much electronic. I mean, uh, you wonder why doesn't Bottas keep up with Hamilton? You know, it's not that hard. You could just take Hamilton's printout. I mean, you must see it. I don't know if your your uh, Mustang has electronics. <laughs> and you just put the overlay. I yeah. mean, Jackie does it, my son, with the Ferrari guys. And he says, look, this is what I did in the GD3. And it's on the computer screen. And, and then Marcel and Fabio, whoever was driving, Craig Jarvis. And he'd overlay and say, look, you're breaking a little early there. You, you're going a little late there and whatever, whatever. You know, so mm. we, we had to do everything yourself by feel with one engineer. You had a ref counter and a stopwatch. That's all you had. Mm. So um, I did go through that. I think that I'd like to see Formula One go back to more basics. Um, you know, Formula One have been telling us for a long time that they need to be the market leaders in the industry. And I think that that's history now. Um, because if they want to go market leaders, they have to go electronic. And that's already the sound is, is so bad that yeah. people are crying. That's number one. They've been telling us why they're market leaders. Have you seen a road car until the Valkyrie with the front wing? So it'll come yeah. in the front wing. Do yeah. you think Pirelli build tires to do 10 laps and then quit? No. Yeah. So they, they, in plain English, been bullshitting us a lot. Now they have to make a decision. Are we going to be an entertainment? and go racing and let's have that V8 screaming sound or whatever it is. Yeah. We don't need MGUHs and MGUKs that people don't even know what the hell they are and don't care what they are. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, just the, the, on the current engines, they're limited to 14 or 15,000 RPM. Would they sound much better if they just let them go to 20? Well, the, I mean... Uh, do, I mean, the turbo engine, is it... They used to have a V6 turbo they, engine. They, yeah, they I do. don't think they would go to 20. That probably That's the thing, is they probably yeah. wouldn't use it. Although, 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 I mean, I think the, the first batch of turbocharged cars were pretty spectacular because yeah. they sounded oh, yeah. they sounded wild over, you know uh, popping yeah. and banging and flames yeah. and spot and you know and that was and it was so and that started with you Jackie in what 76 when Renault came uh, Renault was 77 first turbo mm. in V6 Formula 1 turbo, yeah. I mean those Audis when they came out to South Africa the Sorrel and them raced them and yeah, when right. they changed gears they're popping and yeah. as you say yeah. that's exciting but yeah. it's, the modern one isn't and you know for 2021 they were promising us we'll have the sound back They've now decided to stick to the same engines. Mm. At one stage, they wanted to get them to get rid of the, the MGU something or other, and that would help the sound problem a lot. But now they've got manufacturers, you know. But where the manufacturers are and should be is in Formula E, and they are there. Mm. Yeah. So Formula One, if it goes back to just Ferrari and a common V-sounding screamer engine, we're going to have what we had in the 70s, and the racing was just as good then. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. What were those first turbo cars like? I mean, you were obviously yeah. in 
They arrived in Silverstone, yeah. which in those days was a great circuit. They had, you know, the top corners and the stone club. You know, they turn it into a Mickey Mouse go-kart track. Now, yeah. they don't even pass on hangar straight anymore. Whereas, uh, so those days, and th- that turbo car was bloody quick straight away. I mean, the 3D, there was history then, yeah. which proved in the next year or two or three it came. And they banned it, and now it's back again, you know. Um, it is, yeah. And you also saw that um, that Alpha ground effects car, which had it had like a a dustbin size fan on the. <laughs> no, that was a Brabham. The Brabham. A Brabham. 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 Always, yeah. yeah, always got mixed up with yeah. Alpha and Brabham. But it was powered by Alpha. They so. might have been was Gordon, That was a Gordon Murray car. Yeah, but you see, the, uh, when the, the Lotus had the wings, mm. then of course the, everybody started thinking. Now, how do we get that? And obviously, if you can seal the car off and have a fan sucking the air out that's even better than just a oh, yeah, free flow it, it had skirting on the side that yeah, actually right. sucked it to the ground yeah. but the trouble is the fan was blowing a lot of <laughs> turbulent air <laughs> stones and, oh, okay, and yeah. crap <laughs> yeah. were, you, were you in that race? no that was that's why I think it was 78 it was in Sweden oh. And he won the race. Yeah. He won oh, the race and they banned it straight away. Yeah. Straight away it was banned. Because yeah. it had like, a, I don't know, a 10 second lead or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, they didn't really want them all to go that way. Yeah. Same as they banned the six wheelers. I mean, March and uh, oh, there was a Tyrrell. That, that, no, the, the, the Tyrrell was a six wheeler front. Yeah. And uh, what's it? Williams and March built four wheels at the back. Oh, wow. And that was the right way to go, the four at the back. For the reason that the hole in the air the car makes is decided by the overall width and the back wheels in those days. Remember, they were huge. Mm. So by yes. having four back wheels, you know, like front wheels at the back, you pulled the width of the car in by at least two feet. So you can imagine how much smaller that hole was at Monza and tracks like that. But then they banned the six-wheelers. Otherwise, by now, we'd be running eight-wheelers. Yeah. You know, four in the front and four in the back. Well, what Formula One cars did you drive? Did you ever drive the P34, the, the, the Tyrrell? No, I, uh, I drove uh, the Tyrrell and the Lotus 72, uh, Williams, the Hesketh. Um, what else? That's enough. I did you ever drive one of Jody's Ferraris? I drove, no, I drove his Tyrrell for him. No, he didn't give me the Ferrari. He used the Ferrari himself. But I got to drive his Tyrrell. And I don't think it was as good as ours. It was from South Africa. And if you could choose one to stick inside your garage today? (laughs) One car. You know, for me, the McLaren M23 was one of the most beautiful cars Mm. around. But Dave Charlton had bought one. And I thought it would be wrong for both of us in South Africa to have the same cars racing against each other, just from a spectator point of view. So we went and bought the Tyrrell that those days. But Jody's lucky enough, well, lucky enough to have all his Formula One cars, original, (laughs) repainted and refurbished, plus his Formula Ford, Formula 3s, Formula 2s, 5,000, Can-Am car. And they're all in a barn just outside his back door. (laughs) Just sort of life. Guys, we're going to take a quick break, Uh, and when we get back, the conversation continues. Young people are making their mark. Get up. Tune into the Sebenza Live Behind the Hustle podcast every Tuesday to find out more about what fascinating careers are out there. You can find us on the Sebenza Live website or you can follow us on Twitter on Sebenza Live. Sebenza boy. Sebenza girl. Sebenza.
Welcome back to Cargumentative, where we're still interviewing and chatting to South African motorsport great Ian Schechter. Um, Ian, I've got a question for you. Uh, you know, a lot of modern-day Formula One drivers, they have a pre-race ritual. You know, you'll see Hamilton, he'll jingle his gold chains uh-huh. and put his headphones on and, you know, <laughs> zone out for a bit. Did you have any pre-race you know, yeah, back in the day, did you do anything? Were there any quirks on a yeah, race yeah. there? I'd spend the morning in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I had one or two stupid things. Like I would always wear red underpants. I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I won a race when it was, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I always got into the car on the same side sort of thing. It, that's, but other than that, not really. Not much. And yeah. did you, um, I, think, I think you may have told me this before, but you didn't eat when yeah. you drove. No, the, I didn't have anything that morning or yeah. that till after the race. And um, I've got some beautiful pictures in my uh, my business. And one of them is going down the Kailami Strait as you come over the hill. And you see this brass smoke going across the track. Yeah. And I remember every time you'd come there, you'd smell those chops and guru. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that story. It's awesome. well, well, I mean, that's, that's the nine hours coming back. And yeah. we're all looking forward to camping out uh, yeah, for the day. Yeah. Putting yeah. the combi there and, uh, and Brian. Scottle. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a great race with the GD3 blank paint cars. You know, yeah. they, mm. they identifiable Mercedes SLs and you know the R8s and yeah. ammos, and I think that's the right way to go for. I uh, think so too. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're cars that you can identify with, as yeah. you said, cars yeah. that you can that that you can buy, and yeah. they all have their unique sound and the way they look and yeah. go. Speaking about the of identifiable yeah. road cars, yeah. Tell us about road cars. Any of uh, any favourites? Any history of uh, well, what have you owned? What have you driven? I, I raced for BM in 1980 when uh, with the Sorrel and myself. And in the 535. Uh, yeah. And there's a great crash which I saw on YouTube where you just T-boned Sorrel right into <laughs> You found me guilty before even chatting to me. <laughs> no, so you're driving yeah. a 535. Yeah. Sorrel was probably in the wrong place. Yeah. He always <laughs> is. He always is. But uh, from then on, I mean, I own BMs myself, and so I've always been a BM fan. Jody's a Mercedes fan, but I think that's because they give him a car every year. So I would also maybe swing a bit. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, uh, the best car I ever really had was my 8 Series BM. I, I saw one in the 90s in Pretoria, and being a BM fan, that long bonnet. Mm. With the, I always fell in love with it, and then a few years back, Great I imported one. I found a low mile, a beautiful one in England, and imported oh, wow. it. 840 nice. or 850? Uh, sorry? 840 or 850? 8, 840. And uh, the reason was that it was a better motor than the V12, and it was auto, whereas the only good V12 is the 5.7, but they only made that with a manual. That's and in name. Joburg, I didn't want to mend. I actually what, what, drove that very car about okay. three weeks ago. Oh, really? Lovely. An 840 Auto okay. in a bluish color. What a lovely car. Mine was black. Yeah, lovely. Fantastic. Fantastic. What were those touring car days back? I mean, because that seems to be, well, I mean, you were in the golden age of Formula One, and you yeah. also seem to have been in the golden age of South African motorsport, where yeah. we had lots of money, we had great drivers, yeah. uh, we had crowds, people would actually come out and support. Yeah. Um, what is that like? No, it, it was great. I, I've got to say, you know, I mean, for the last previous two years, I was uh, the driver, whatever you call it, uh, uh, in GDC. So I was going to those races. But they diluted South African motorsport miles too much, you know, when they started having those uh, split days. Um, so in our day, they made sure they had 
only good racing. There were no club racing on the day of a national, and the guys came out. So, mm. And we were lucky enough to have Formula Ones. Um, unfortunately, there's not enough money around to do proper, but we had a, a, a fair field mixed with 5,000s. Mm. Formula Twos weren't that competitive. And in the saloons, yeah, I mean, uh, that was wild, that uh, SA manufacturers, you could virtually do as you please. And, you know, Willie was there and Jeff in their V8s and Sarah. Ben Morganrood and... Yeah. Every, yeah. And Sarah was there with that, uh, court, was it, uh, Escort? Yeah. With the V6 Cosworth motor. So it was a flyer down the straights, you know. And, uh, I watched that today, actually. <laughs> yeah. uh, you and Sorrel. 1980. Yes, you were in the 535. He was in the Escort. Yeah. And then it just ended. In, uh, what actually <laughs> well, happened there? What happened? Okay. Um, I was South African champion in single seaters, and he was South African rally champion and, and done road race. Uh, yeah. I never driven saloon cars up until that point. And so when we got there, I guess it was a case of who's better and whose ego was probably bigger. But the first real race we had against each other was PE. It was two heats and it was amazing because, you know, PE is quite a tight circuit. Mm. And those cars, so he didn't get such a big advantage down the straight there because the straight wasn't that long and my BM handled pretty good. So we were door to door and then the banging started. And then I knew it was free for all. <laughs> and fortunately, I won both those heats, but only by that much. And every lap we changed leads. You know, so it was luck as well. Then we got a Kalami. And the banging continued, banging continued, and eventually something had to happen. <laughs> it's fantastic. I mean, if you guys haven't seen it, go onto YouTube, uh, type in in Schechter versus Sorrel van der Merwe, Kyle Lamy, 1980. It'll come out. Lovely. Yeah, Excellent. It was a great race to watch, actually. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry I did bugger it up before the end because it would have been a great finish. <laughs> it, was a, it was a fantastic race. Yeah. Even the end was, I mean, it yeah. just had that drama, that yeah. old school kind of, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you, I'm, I'm going for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm uh, sorry. I was one of those kind of drivers that you commit. You know, if you want to pass, you've got to commit. It's these guys that pull up and hesitate. They don't go by. You mm -hmm. know, you got to decide. I'm going to do it now. And now's the time. And sometimes you get it. Sometimes you don't. don't yeah. But at least we didn't get uh, wrapped on our nuts. Exactly. Like you weren't penalised a hundred yeah, points because yeah, you had it all. Stupid. You know, yeah. That is uh, totally ridiculous. Yeah. You know, you might as well put robots in the cars today because you're not allowed to make an error as a human being because mm. you're getting penalized for just making a human error. Yeah. So you might as well put a robot in, but then you can go one step further and go driverless. So, you know, well, that's the thing. I mean, really where did Formula One go wrong? Where did motorsport go wrong? I mean, a, yeah. a lot of it has just become this procession uh, where it's more about the car, I think, yeah. than yeah. it is actually the driver because you can yeah. be a good driver um, and if you're incredibly fit and you've got money and you've got backing, yeah. you can succeed. Um, and I think that's different to how it was back yeah. in the old days where raw raw skill yeah. actually counted for more than that. Yeah, well, you, you had to in in the 70s, especially because that's where I did most of the Formula One stuff. Mm. It was really just up to you and your engineer and the designer of the car, really. Um, you know, you, you'd do an adjustment according to what I felt. I'd go out and the stopwatch and you'd look at the rev cards and hope you saw 50 more revs, which you didn't really see. But uh, the stopwatch would say, you know, you point one point two quicker. Whereas today they've broken it up into segments of each corner. You know, the, they've got it all on computerized yeah. and that. And um, we didn't have that kind of aid. So at the end of the day, it was really up to you and your feel and your engineer how good he was and how yeah. good he interpreted what you said i think yeah by removing the human they've made it you can't relate 
and uh, and that's why it's not as enjoyable. Yeah, and you know you've got the manufacturers there, and uh, I guess it, up to now it's who's ever thrown the most money at the project. Yeah. Um, sure, Ferrari were as quick as Mercedes last year, but I think they self imploded. Um, Vettel did it was just inexplicable the second yeah. half of the season he just wasn't himself no, he yeah. threw it away it yeah. Just, yeah. frustrating yeah. I think if you swapped cars and those teams around Hamilton would have still won the championship you know if he was in the Ferrari with his team the car there was nothing wrong with the Ferrari as a car yeah just it, Vettel just imploded mm, and the team occasionally you know but anyway yeah. We're hoping that Ferrari shapes. I'm a Ferrari fan, so yeah, no, I mean us too. You know, I, I wasn't a huge fan even though Jody did do the Ferrari. But when I, I've been doing track days for a public clock, and uh, I learned to love the Ferrari. It it handles like a single seater. It really it does. does handle very mm. well. It's is that the 360 and the 430s. Yeah, oh, yeah. They're extremely fantastic. You know, and then I did a bit of the Masters V8s, which is back to. The 70s, manual everything. Mm. They don't even have power steering, I'll tell you what. You can't yeah. <laughs> They're horrible. You get out of those <laughs> afterwards, you're like, wow. Just, yeah. uh, I would put a power steering if I had a Masters V8. <laughs> yeah. Can I, I went to the uh, the thing at Swart Corps recently. And, International. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you could see that the, the day there, it looked like there was 20,000, 30,000 people. I mean, it was just packed. And I mean, mm. we're just motorsport staff. So you talk about like that there are too many for me and, uh, and they split it up and there's club racing on the same day that yeah. there's a thing. How do we get back to, uh, to something that, that <coughs> resembles? Is it possible to in this country? Is there well, enough money? I hope that they do it right. You know, they when they split it all up, I don't know if the guys... None of you are young enough, but uh, old enough, I should say. We, we had fantastic motorbike racing in South Africa. The days of Boshoff and Zeman and Van Breda and Ophi Howard and that. So the two motorbike races were huge draw, uh, draw uh, yeah. cards. And then when we had the superbikes with uh, Peterson boys and yeah. uh, uh, Gray and all those guys, that was a huge draw card. Now somebody got clever and said, "Let's take the bikes away. We'll go and race on our own." And it didn't work. Yeah. Because you, th- those two classes can't entertain a day somebody on their own. So you need somebody to put back together a package of the best racing in South Africa. Yeah. Full day. Full day of a variety the best of racing, racing yeah. and promote it properly. And I think, and maybe they need to find a sponsor and put some money up front. You know, because everywhere else in the world you race for money and. Mm. Money is very critical in motor racing today, but we've been racing for fresh air in South Africa for the last... And those hideous trophies, which you yeah. just put in the bin as soon as you leave. <laughs> well, I've only got about three <laughs> left. <laughs> uh, yeah. Unfortunately, guys, that's all the time we have uh, in studio today. Ian, it was fantastic having you here and, and hearing all your stories and your yeah. ideas. It was, it was quite something. So thank you very much for taking the time yeah. out and... Joining us here on Cargumentative. <laughs> that was fun, actually. I, I didn't know what to expect, but this was fun. Thank we, you. We, did, we need the do each week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can do it again, but not every week. <laughs> <laughs> we turn you back. Well, maybe we'll do that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, so we'll come visit you at your dealership. Yes, yeah, absolutely. That yeah. would be fun, yeah. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> thanks for coming. Well, guys, thanks so much. And um, until next week, keep it safe out on the roads. From you, Thomas Faulkner, goodbye. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.